0: circumstantial on, on who we reached out to or who reached out to us but uh yes we were, we were very dynamic in, in terms of we can do that what's inside of the, the front end of a ventilator well a circuit board okay we can do that yep uh, control surface Yep, we can do that okay and we need to screen this chassis and have it uh, completed in a certain uh, way with a with a metal box in the back yep we can do that too so Done. Beautiful. again the power of of having uh, many different departments under one roof
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Making It in Ontario, the official podcast of the Trillium Network for Advanced Manufacturing. I'm your host, Nick Persichilli, and in this episode, Brendan and I take a drive out to Pickering, Ontario to visit Yorkville Sound and chat with their vice president of sales and marketing, Jeff Cowling. Yorkville Sound. Now, if you know who they are, chances are that, like Brendan and I, you spent hours of your teen years in Long & McQuaid stores, playing their various instruments, testing their various amps, and then leaving with little more than a pack of guitar strings. While the history of Long and McQuaid and Yorkville Sound is very intertwined, as you'll learn, this is not an episode about Long and McQuaid. This is a manufacturing story about Yorkville Sound. The company was founded in 1963 in the back room of the very first Long and McQuaid store in Toronto. Young and Bloor, to be specific, and in Yorkville, to be exact... Jeff explains how Pete Trainer, a local guitar amp tech who used to fix Fender amps, asked Jack Long, yes, the Long from Long & McQuaid, if he could take a stab at making a better bass amp. Jack said yes, and with that, Yorkville Sound was born. Brendan and I were very excited about this episode because of our history as Long & McQuaid kids. After all, the point of this podcast is to showcase the best of Ontario's advanced manufacturing ecosystem, and doing an episode on how guitar amps were made was like a dream come true for us. And the conversation did not disappoint. We believed we were going to have a relatively routine discussion, albeit a very cool one, about speaker cab and guitar amp manufacturing. What we got instead was a fascinating look at a company that's bucking several trends in manufacturing best practices and seeing a ton of success. For starters, their level of vertical integration is incredible, and the amount of actual manufacturing that takes place under that one roof is amazing. As we came to learn, this arrangement is based on a unique philosophy of survival versus dominance. Check the timestamp for the discussion. It's a unique philosophy that seems to be working incredibly well for them. They outsource very little. Not only do they have a wood shop on their site making all of their speaker enclosures to their exacting specifications, but the same wood shop can and has pivoted to making literally anything else they need. In fact, the next time you're at a Longin McQuaid store, know that everything from the headphone testing racks and the front desk counter were actually made in Pickering in the very facility we toured. In addition to the wood shop, they also have an electrostatic paint department, a wiring department, 3D printing capabilities for prototyping, and a concrete bunker to test their speakers in-house. Now, we didn't go into the bunker during the tour, but we definitely heard what was going on inside. It sounded like torture for the poor speaker, but that's how they test things there. For me, the most compelling story to come from this episode was the story of Yorkville Sound's pivot to making the front-end enclosures for ventilators during the pandemic. That's right, they were asked to put their competencies for making dials and controls for guitar amps to use in dials and controls for ventilators. So with that, here's Jeff Cowling and Yorkville Sound and how they're making it in Ontario. Okay, and now we are rolling. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us again. And we are in yet another boardroom, but we are in a boardroom. It's not a Zoom call. We are live. And I am being joined by... Trillium's Managing Director, Mr. Brendan Sweeney, would you mind uh, coming closer to the microphone and saying hello? Good morning, good morning, everyone. Hello, Brendan. And we now have a new friend with us today, Mr. Jeff Cowling. Hello, Jeff, would you mind introducing yourself, please?
0: Good morning, fellas. Nice, uh, nice of you to come all the way over to Yorkville's headquarters here in Pickering, Ontario. My name is Jeff Cowling. I am the Vice President of Sales and Marketing here at Yorkville Sound. And uh, I am pleased to be uh, with you guys talking about our manufacturing prowess. And we are very pleased to be
1: talking to you about the same thing because, I mean, Brendan, how, what would you call us? Long and McQuaid kids growing up? <laughs>
0: what, Long McQuaid uh,
2: heads? I don't know. What, what, is there a term for it? Do you, Jeff? I don't
0: there... have a, a specific industry term, but so, yeah, so call call yourselves what you will.
2: There we go. Yeah. but Tri- we d- Trips down to Ossington and Bloor yes to go to the is that the flagship location is that the original D-
0: depending on the era yeah uh, I, mean, I used to drive in from peterborough ontario all okay. the way to Bloor street to just to visit that store yeah. uh, which is which has been there for a long time now but it yes it used to be on young street and then it was down south a bit and then the flagship these days is the bluer street location
2: Bloor street. Yeah. yeah and i mean spend Hours there. Yep. Yes. Hours <laughs> there and end up buying maybe a pack of strings and a couple of picks.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, but you're planting seeds for your yeah, dreams, too. Absolutely. It's like, That's what I want. Absolutely. And I want to exactly. mix it with that like amplifier it. and that yep. pedal yeah. and that PA system. Yeah. yeah. I own, I own
2: two, two guitars, two amplifiers that came from Ossington. Nice. Bloor, from the
1: Bloor Street locations. So. Fantastic. Nice. And I have two, two Fender amps that I bought. One new one used from the Mississauga location.
0: Great store. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It was, so anyway, yeah, we, we could talk about this, our experiences for a while. Um, Jeff, tell us a little bit about, for the people who are uninformed, tell us a little bit about Yorkville Sound and the things
0: you make. Of course. We're not a household name if you don't play a musical instrument, but if you do play a musical instrument or have been on stage before in any speaking or uh, uh, event-related thing, Yorkville Sound has been around since 1963. We're coming up on our 60th anniversary next year, uh, which is a big deal, and, and we're now panicking to un- try to how to how to celebrate that <laughs> make sure we're we're booking the right venues and getting the right product to, to celebrate our 60th anniversary uh yorkville sound started in the back room of the very first long mcquade location on young street uh right in the yorkville area which is uh, sort of y- young and bloor just north of bloor street uh and pete trainer and jack long Pete trainer was a local repair guy who used to fix fender amplifiers for for jack and for uh, the long mcquade location and said to Jack one day, you know what, I think I can make a more robust version of this amplifier and came up with the very first uh, bass amp under the trainer amp name and the very first column speaker, which didn't really exist uh, anywhere in Toronto at the time. So that's how Yorkville was born, back room out of the service room of the very first Long McQuade. Years go by, Yorkville gets its own facility uh, further south in Toronto. M- many more years go by, they move out to Scarborough. And then in the early 90s, we landed here in Pickering to build the facility that you're going to be touring today. That's fantastic. So
1: it's interesting that the story and the beginning of Long and McQuaid is a lot, and Yorkville Sound, is a lot like every, a lot of other manufacturing concerns. It's like, hey, here's a product. I think I can make it better.
0: And there you go. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And and it all, uh, it all does come back to music. Jack is a musician, a great trumpet player, uh, played for years before uh, he even thought about uh, get, getting into music retail and, and getting into music retail at the time was just a necessity as well it's like i don't have access to this stuff and i got all these buddies who want access to certain things and, and certain instruments let's let's open something then comes electronic amplifiers and pa systems and uh Problems with that in the late 50s and early 60s. So Pete Trainer, uh, being a mad scientist, came up with his own design, which was more uh, robust and reliable. And those are the two things that we've held on to for almost 60 years, which is reliability, and that's what we'll get into uh, a bit later. And it was just necessity, of course. Uh, we we need we have musicians who want to take PA systems on the road because they don't like the PA systems at that club in London or that club in, in Windsor. What can we do? And Pete came up with. these wild and wacky designs to help out his buddies who are in bands
1: let's get technical here tell me about how because I mean I I, Brendan I are both novice musicians and I have an appreciation for wanting that sound and needing that sound tell me a little bit about uh, what are some of the characteristics of a specific Yorkville monitor that make it different from let's say the house monitor what 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 what
0: makes them good it starts with our ears we've we have highly refined and highly qualified guys here with great ears and uh, and not to toot any horns, but since I'm in front of a microphone right now. Um, toot away. <laughs> we, we have uh, we have fantastic ears. We know it sounds good. Uh, we know how to build something that sounds fantastic and still be uh, reliable in terms of being rented out to people. And, and one of the things I, I do want to start off with was uh, reliability and rentability. Uh, Long McQuaid is our biggest uh, customer these days, they have 92 locations across Canada right now, and all of them have rental departments where you can go in and, and affordably rent a PA system with a subwoofer and microphones and and, uh, and top boxes, and you, they'll throw it around in the back of your truck and you'll still set them up and they'll still work. That's the whole uh, aspect of Yorkville that has never changed in 60 years, which is like, this has to work when you show up to the gig. That's, that's our biggest uh, champion point beyond sounding good. It's the reliability of the, of the gear.
1: Interesting. Spoken like an automotive manufacturer, if I may say, oh, OK, <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good thing. They've uh, they they definitely know how to produce a lot of something reliable. And it sounds like you guys are in more in the same vein. And I, I like the fact that you have that image of the touring musician mm-hmm. when designing a product, because
0: um, I think, yeah, I mean, not from, not even touring. We're, we're sometimes we have to speak to novices. Mm. So. Your aunt, Betty, would come into the local Long McQuaid store and try and rent a PA speaker for her backyard party, or the mayor's office might come in and rent something for a speaking event if they were so inclined. And they have to be able to set it up. It's got to be obvious where I need to plug things in, and it's it's got to work. So that's a big selling point of the stuff that we that we put through rentals.
1: That's awesome. So before we turned on the microphones, you and Brendan were chatting about the relationship between Yorkville and Long and McQuade. Brendan, did you want to phrase that question a little bit before we uh, throw it to him, or?
2: Uh, I mean, and thank you for providing a bit of the background, Jeff. It, it it's a very unique model of integration, mm-hmm. right? Where, um, in this case, the retailer and the manufacturer. the renter and the the manufacturer the same. We've come to understand that that was very organic. Um,
0: Indeed. Yeah, it was organic from day one, as in Yorkville was (laughs) given birth out of the back service room of the the first Long McQuaid location. The companies did separate for a while and worked independently. And obviously, Yorkville sold uh, our gear that we manufactured to not just Long McQuaid, but to independent retailers, uh, sound companies. Uh, We have for many years now, had a an office in Niagara Falls, New York, and we sell to American retailers down there. But yeah, it was it was really organic. The companies, uh, after all this time, are still owned by the same family, which is fantastic. And uh, and. That doesn't mean we still don't consider them a customer. Everyone who works for Yorkville considers Long McQuaid our, our biggest and best customer, not an automatic thing. We, we have to produce things that make sense for their model, and we have to produce things that make sense for independent music retail people in Canada, in the States, and in, in, in the world. We, we export our gear, specifically a lot of our PA gear, pro audio gear, to uh, China, Korea, Mexico, the Caribbean, all kinds of places around the world.
2: The, the Niagara Falls facility mm-hmm. uh, in, New, in New York. Niagara Falls, but... New
0: York is our office and warehouse for our American operation. okay yep. yeah,
2: and it makes I mean it, I, I think when I plugged in Yorkville Sound this morning to drive here, I think the Niagara to, to, it's about ten kilometers closer to my house in Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, probably and so but, and I, but but I knew not to go there t- this morning. I knew, I, was, to, <laughs> I knew to come to Pickering. So, I was
0: just yeah. there on Tuesday actually.
2: but you're very you are very much an exporting company. An international company. Mm-hmm. Your roots are here. Your, yes. And, your largest customer is here, but there's much more to
0: There There's there's a lot to it, and it's getting more rare to find companies like us. Again, not to, not to toot horns, but there's not many PA companies uh, who still manufacture stuff in North America. Adamson uh, is a neighbor of ours. They're up in Port Perry, not too far away, uh, who manufacture and distribute their Pro Audio uh, gear around the world as well. Good friends to have. But a lot of the major brands in our industry, and you guys can do your own research or I can drop names here, uh, they don't manufacture in uh, in North America anymore. So we're very proud of the fact that we still employ over 200 people in this building from a design and a manufacturing and a distribution model. We're
1: proud of you too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much so. So this is where I'm going to kick into uh, my Morty mode, and mm-hmm. I'm going to ask the both of you a question as a manufacturer and an economics expert. Before we turn on the microphones, I was mentioning that I was I was talking about my microphone that I use right here. For those of you listening, it's a Rode NT1. It's my go-to when I travel, and, and I looked at the bottom, and it was made in Australia. And again, this is where uh, you know my Mortiness comes out, and I'm going to have to divert to uh, to Brendan on this. But like, why can't like why is Australia building this microphone and not us? Why can't like w- what are the economics of building something like that? Because we clearly have the skill. We clearly have the tech. Why aren't we building stuff like
0: this here? Well, I can't give you a, an exact answer on that, but I can give you a, our version of that, which is why we build the, the things we build here. Um, microphones these days, uh, at least uh, very affordable microphones, are, are made overseas. Uh, and Australia is technically overseas. And, and I'm sure they're using components sourced from uh, a bunch of different Asian component manufacturers. And it's uh, and it's designed and assembled in in Australia for sure. Like we do, we, we source components from all, pla- all kinds of places around the world, which includes Asia, and then, but as you'll see on the factory tour, you'll get a sense of, wow, we're really trying to do a lot under one roof. So how can we, uh, being Yorkville Sound, still make powered speakers here in North America when everyone else has gone overseas? Well, the trick is trying to do as much under one roof as possible. We have our own wood shop, we have our own metal shop, we do our own circuit boards, we have our own paint booth, and we even build our own cardboard boxes uh, that, that surround the boxes for, uh, for shipping. A lot of companies outsource various parts of that. Uh, and the only thing we, we don't really outsource is, uh, is injection molded uh, plastics. Uh, what well, we do have a couple local companies here in Ontario that we have contracts with and that we buy plastic boxes or molds from. But everything else we do try and do under one roof uh, and, and obviously econ- economics is, is part of it for sure. What can we do more under our control and, we'll, and that we can save costs on versus outsourcing stuff to a, a wood shop down the road or in another province or wherever?
1: So, you guys control basically every aspect of design
0: then. Like, like you weren't kidding then. No, not kidding. Wow. <laughs> yeah, uh, we have engineers who've been working here for 30, 40 years and a bunch of young engineers who are bringing fresh, fresh blood here. So, we don't outsource our talent or intellectual property either. Uh, all of our designs are coming from this building, from engineers, from from board layouts or circuit board layouts, everything is done in-house.
2: I mean, that's very unique these days. Yeah, unique
0: and, and or rare or, shrink- right, yeah. or <laughs> shrinking, I suppose, yeah.
2: What's control, talent, IP? How do you do this all cost efficiently?
0: Uh, the Long family is, uh, is a very smart and very generous family. And if you were to ask uh, our founder, uh, chairman, Jack Long, it's like, what's your goal, Jack? Do you wanna take over the world? Or how much, you know, do you wanna make a billion dollars? And his answer was always survive. He just wants to survive because he knows that we employ over 200 bodies, Canadians, Ontarians in this factory here. And it would not break his heart, but it, it it would be worse than that if we ever had to shut this place down and send stuff to other geographies if we want to keep this brand or these brands going. So, uh, survival, it's not, it's not uh, take over the world or, or grand success or grand financial benefit. It's uh, survival, which is a great thing.
1: I would love to see the, both of you collaborate on a manual for other Ontario manufacturers to do this model. Cause I mean, you are, you and Longham McQuade and Yorkville sound from what I'm hearing, you guys are very much an outlier. Because, hmm. is that right, Brendan? Like, this is, I, I really want to know how you do, like, that secret sauce, because, like, everyone outsources everything.
2: And even in uh, in in food, we've just seen Loblaws and just sell off their bakery operations. Oh. Uh, Tim Hortons doesn't, Tim Hortons uses a big Swiss company in Brantford and Ancaster for the majority of their baking. They still do their coffee roasting, but they're... Has, has been a general trend towards disintegration. So maintaining the, you know, a wood shop and a metal shop and a PCV shop under the, uh, and a design shop under the same roof
0: oh, yeah. well, it's, is it's, amazing. It's, it's, amazing. A, it's a very, uh, it's a it's a prideful point for me and for uh, most of the people in the building. That's not to say it's 100% done in this building. You'll, you, we do import some stuff uh, based on our designs, but we do have to manufacture some stuff uh, in Asia, but they still have to live up to the Yorkville name. If the Yorkville brand is on that product, it's still got to be reliable, it's still got to sound good, and it's still got to be uh, economic.
2: You're not cutting the trees down for the wood shop, eh? Someone <laughs> no. else does that? No. <laughs> uh,
0: for, for a long time, again, for reliability and robustability, uh, or just robustness, uh, we usually integrate Russian Baltic birch plywood uh, from some local brokers. We, have, we use a, a few different types of plywood for our big subwoofers and, and the big top boxes, but it's all cut and shaped and built here. Yeah, no trees are being cut down uh, across the parking lot. No.
1: <laughs> that's incredible. So let's talk about this building hmm. because it's I mean, we, we, I, I walked past a door where I saw the shop floor and I was like, "Ooh, that looked cool. So let's talk about some of the stuff that's coming out of this very building today right now.
0: Uh, what keeps us busy these days is professional audio products. Both powered, and not to get too technical for, for the audience, but powered speakers has been very popular for the past decade or more. Portable powered speakers. The stuff that you might find in a rental location such as Long McQuade. 12 inch based that you can carry with one hand. And also much bigger stuff, including our Elite series, which is large format subwoofers and uh, top boxes. By top boxes, I mean full range instead of just the base notes that a subwoofer might provide. Our subwoofers are very popular. We can't build them fast enough. If, uh, if our U.S. operation could have one wish in the world, it, it would be triple the capacity of how, how often we can build uh, our powerful 15-inch, uh, 18-inch, and 21-inch uh, subwoofers. Uh, they're indestructible. So that's, that's why they're so popular.
1: Can I ask how you make them indestructible?
0: Uh, c- careful design and intense testing. I'll, I'll say testing. We really beat the crap out of these things before oh. before they're approved to go to market. And we'll show you a couple of the facilities downstairs where we r- really beat the crap out of them. Now, nice. by beat the crap, I mean drop testing, which is a scientific process where we drop from six inches, we drop from one foot, we drop from four feet, and to see how the cabinet reacts, and if it falls apart or if it stays intact. Sound testing, we jam so much signal in, into each and every product that comes out of this building for hours and hours and hours. If you were trapped in that room, you'd go crazy because it's just a lot of very loud music and a lot of very loud sine waves to, with a camera and a microphone to see how our components are reacting, how the stress test uh, is going, and when uh, we eventually get it to fail, how many hours did it take for that thing to fail, and do we need to A, accept that and just um, make sure that's long enough for the lifespan of that particular product or that particular component, or do we go, you know what? We need something better and, and resource better or more robust components.
1: I could probably do a whole episode just on the testing. That sounds fascinating. It's it's fun to watch sometimes. Yeah. Not so much fun to listen to. No,
0: (laughs) not for, not for very long. That's why the, the concrete bunker, as we call it is, is literally a, a concrete room with reinforced walls so that we don't the only way you hear it really from a distance if you're to open the door it's all right. sealed uh, which is great for the science guys who wanted a, a sealed room to measure everything accurately and uh, and it's it's concrete blocks because we just put so much <laughs> we put so much signal into it it's it's uh it's pretty loud.
2: Do you ever take an old Econoline Take it to the test track, throw some stuff in the back,
1: no, do but, some laps. So.
0: But, but we know every rental, customer, not every rental, but many rental customers might do that too. Yeah. Throwing PA speakers in the back of the Econoline is, is still very popular.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's incredible. So let's talk a little bit about um,
1: manufacturing in general, writ sure. large, because we have identified several, I don't want to say challenges, but just kind of like, you know, realities. And one of the issues is finding talent. Mm-hmm. Filling that talent pipeline, and considering how unique your manufacturing process and philosophy is, I would love to know how you fill that
0: pipeline. Uh, it's, it's a challenge for us too. Employee retention has been, uh, I think we're on the, in a rare situation where we have retained a lot of talent for many, many years. A lot of our guys, and not just the designers, but the, the guys who do board layouts and the guys who manufacture these goods have, have been here for decades, and we've, we've had we have generational stories downstairs. Uh, to share as well. We have kids uh, who come to work here after their parents are either still working here or that their parents eventually retired, but their kids are are, are working. So it's, I don't want to overuse the family aspect, but we are still owned by one family and there is sort of a family vibe uh, downstairs. This is not a unionized shop. This is more of a, a democratic profit sharing environment. And that's how you keep people. How do you cultivate that? Uh, after years and years of <laughs> of learning how people work uh, and, and and treating people right. Not to say that people don't come and go and that we're not looking for new talent to come in to replace well-tenured individuals. It is st- still hard to find talent, whether it's entry-level talent in our warehouse or in our guitar QC part of the warehouse, or whether it's entry-level talent um, from a, a recent grad from an engineering degree at, uh, at the University of Waterloo. Why would they want to work here? I was like, well... They probably play guitar. Or they're interested in PA, first of all. And we do have some young engineers in our design lab who have been here a very short time, and, and we're trying to mentor and, and keep those guys here too.
1: Nice. Burton you look like you had something to say there. Oh, I've got. Oh, I've always got something to
0: say. Um,
2: <laughs> uh, do, you, do you partner with universities, colleges, on co-op programs for engineers?
0: I think we do. I. Uh, it doesn't happen that, that often. Uh, I know we have a relationship with Queens University, Um, from a pull testing uh, standpoint, as in we'll send them a a speaker cabinet and they pull test it and measure when and and, and what strength the cabinet will fail or a piece of metal will fail. Uh, I don't know if we actually have co-op students from that university or or others, as we do have a lot of students in the family, as in a a lot of uh, moms and dads work here, and sometimes we have uh, summer students who come in and work either in the production facility or in the design facility as well. So, not an official co-op program, more, more of a familiar uh, co-op pro- program. Um,
2: you, you, you mentioned a, a minute ago, and I found this really interesting, in addition to the profit-sharing, democracy. Mm-hmm. Do you have any examples of how those democratic processes play out amongst your workforce, on the shop floor? Because, um, I mean, that's really, really interesting, and, and we do have some research to suggest that when... Employees' input and ideas mm-hmm. are not just listened to, but valued and then incorporated into whether it's a process on the shop floor, whether it's a product, you know, whether it's uh, having a different kind of condiment at the company barbecue, but yeah. that, that, that is a really, really important thing increasingly to a lot of people.
0: I think part of our survival, and I'll, I'll keep using that word survival, is, um, is employee retention and attention to uh, what our employees have to say. Jack Long, years ago, I think followed, I believe it was Toyota's CEO, with the Kaizen approach. And Kaizen is, as you manufacturing heads would know, which is, which is constant improvement. So applying Kaizen to all of our processes, whether it's the paint we use or how we paint a metal chassis in the electrostatic paint booth, we would have a Kaizen meeting on that you know, once a month, once a quarter, etc., and that goes through many many different departments so we have kaizen meetings still we also have employee committee meetings uh, every eight weeks i believe it is and an employee can be a rep for their particular department downstairs whether it is the finishing line the paint booth the wood shop, and they'll meet with hr they'll meet with uh, steve long our president and uh, all those committee notes are shared company-wide after every meeting in terms of what was brought up what are the challenges uh, what are the solutions so Yes. It's a, it's a very much engagement uh, with our employees, whether it comes all the way down to condiments or when, whether we're going to have a, a company barbecue today because it's raining. Okay, we have to s- switch that to another day. But yeah, the, the Kaizen approach and, and employee engagement is very important. That, that's That's key to our survival for sure.
2: And I just put this together that if Jack hadn't listened to Pete, in 1960, whatever, 1963. 1963, you wouldn't have a trainer amp. It was Pete who said, Hey, I can, I can make these things, you know? Yeah.
0: Okay. Go yeah, for I like, it. Can I, can, <laughs> I, can I get a small budget or can you hey, loan me a bit of money? I want to buy this and buy this and, and create something. And, uh, lucky for all of us, Jack said, okay, <laughs> in his, in his very, very calm approach. Yeah, uh, when we talk about like just planting seeds, that was a tiny little seed, and now we're sitting here in this building uh, in 2022. Yeah.
1: Vernon, I want to start talking about trainer amps. Should we start? Because, uh, uh, I mean, I-, I like them.
0: And for the listeners, we we're sitting right beside our uh, newly minted uh, trainer museum uh, is behind me. Uh, we've yeah, got some, really cool. we got some vintage pieces from the '60s, '70s, and '80s here to show off the various uh, various products that uh, Trainer brought to the table. A lot of firsts as well. We were one of the first companies, if not the first, to have the first dedicated studio wedge, or sorry, uh, uh, monitor wedge. So instead of leaning a, a, a column speaker on its side to point up, Pete. Uh, Designed the first monitor to face up towards the singer or to to face up towards performers, not the audience, but to face up towards performers. Trainer was one of the first companies to come up with a portable lighting system. Instead of relying on the lighting system that might be attached to a school auditorium, Pete designed a four-can portable lighting system. The column speakers, uh, we were sort of neck and neck with a, a few different companies back in the 60s, but we were definitely one of the early adopters of column technology back then. And... Us, not Ampeg, sorry, uh, base nerds, but uh, Trainer was actually the first company to come up with an 810 cabinet, which is eight 10 inch speakers. It looks like the size of a refrigerator. Ampeg is very famous for having an 810 and a big tube head on top, but Pete was first. Wow.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I'm blown away by the fact that because I mean, a lot of worlds are colliding for me right now. I obviously am, you know, I'm. I'm my history comes primarily from man, automotive manufacturing, but I obviously have a, a, an understanding of manufacturing. But you know, in my teens, like Brendan, I was, I too was a musician. I still am. I, I can still dabble. I I like music.
0: Fantastic.
1: I I still play. So the fact that you have this manufacturing philosophy and you've turned it like a benevolent eye of Sauron. Sauron. Sauron, Sauron, but benevolent, and you focused it onto musicians and how and, and artists and and I I I just think that's fantastic, and I'm trying to think to myself
0: how else could we export this to other
1: manufacturing sectors?
0: Well, everyone in this building, either as a minor hobby or major hobby, is a musician. Like when we walk <laughs> walk by, people in the factory. I'll say, what do you play? And they'll be like, oh, I've been playing bass for 30 years. And, and what do you do? I'll say, oh, I'm a DJ. I, I love using tunes to express my uh, artistic endeavors. Uh, so, it's it's not a it's not the regular it's not a car manufacturer because everyone sure drives a car. But uh, there's a lot of spirit of of our customers just in, in our employees as well. Uh, Steve Long has been playing bass for 40 to 50 years and still gigs to this day. Wow. So, so it's it's uh, we we walk the walk and talk the talk. That's
1: fantastic.
0: Um, I play on the couch mostly these days instead of out, but uh, that's part of that problem is COVID and part of that is just the schedule. I agree,
2: Mm. yeah. How was COVID?
0: It was uh, a challenge for our our industry. So in the early days, so in in early 2020, when things were getting shut down, uh, we did have to lay some people off because we shut down operations here. Much like uh, many Ontario manufacturers had to do, but we quickly learned let's 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 grind this out and, and brought back people when we needed to start building stuff again. We actually pivoted our manufacturing capabilities and uh, got into an agreement with uh, a health company and eventually the government of Canada to build ventilators, the front end of ventilators here. I'll show you an example in a you, bit. You build those here? We built them here, and that allowed us to bring back employees uh, back on. Uh, back to the factory and start building stuff again but the front end of the uh, of the winnipeg uh it's 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 a pretty simple design it's been around for a long time but no one's been manufacturing them lately but because of COVID and because of uh, all these health scares in the hospitals and are, is this going to be a pandemic where we need to put people on ventilators more and more and more we built the front end of, of the ventilators for this project uh in in 2020 and and that's Again, back to our manufacturing prowess, we were able to pivot from making powered speakers and subwoofers and, and powered mixers into building <laughs> these ventilators. The ventilator itself kind of looks like a, a mixer, as in we got to use some of the same knobs that we use on the back, uh, or on, same knobs that we use on a powered mixer, a powered speaker, and, uh, and same kind of pots that we, we we would use on sound equipment that would go into this ventilator. They're all just control, as in yeah. Yeah, slower, yeah, yeah, yeah. faster, whatever speed you want to put it at. So. That was a bit of a coup uh, in terms of, okay, we're still alive. We're still here. We got to bring a bunch of people back to help build these things. The project's done. We built all the ventilators we need to build and and they're either at a hospital waiting to be used or in a storage facility somewhere. But we were able to keep people busy and then get back to what we're really good at. So from a societal angle, COVID stopped all the events, right? Locked locked down a whole bunch of stuff. And even after a year when we thought restrictions were being lifted, there still weren't a lot of people going out and renting PA systems or going out and renting renting instruments to uh, to play in live gigs cuz it just wasn't a possibility. This summer has been a lot different. This summer has been a resurgence of live events, backyard parties, uh, small concerts, big concerts, etc. and that has really helped. That's why we're backordered on a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that we manufacture here. But that has been a, a boom for Longwood Rental Departments which totally suffered. So at the retail level, band instruments and band print suffered a lot during the pandemic pa rentals went down almost to nothing because no one needs to rent a big pa system if you can't have an event to surround it and lessons suffered not every child who was taking lessons at a music store transitioned to the zoom lessons that a lot of uh, a lot of teachers offered and that brought a lot a lot of that population down so that was a, a big worry for the music industry Although a lot of people bought entry-level instruments during the pandemic because they were trapped at home and it's like, I I need a new hobby. So entry-level guitars and pianos and stuff like that were a huge hit in the first year of the pandemic. And then hopefully they stayed with it. And now they're back this summer and they've learned all the songs they want to learn and they want to play a live gig. So now rentals is back and PA sales are are, are back up and, and very much alive. That's, I don't know if I followed your question or not, but that's where we, yeah.
1: No, that's, (laughs) so we've, we've heard stories of companies pivoting. Mm -hmm. For example, on one of our podcasts, we did with a company called Dymachem and they're a chemical manufacturer when the, when the um, industrial chemicals and when the pandemic hit, they pivoted to make hand sanitizer and they did a great job of it. But I mean, your pivot sounds like quite the pivot. You went from musical amplifiers to the front end of a ventilator.
0: Yeah. Wow. It wasn't uh, planned. We, this is this was not sitting in our back pocket, going. I know what we can do. This was <laughs> very much. I I wouldn't think so. No, <laughs> uh, 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 we can use the word luck. I suppose, but it's just a, just a, a weird situation of uh, circumstances. So,
1: I'm gonna. So okay, this 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 is uh, one of Brendan's favorite favorite factoids. Um, the manufacturing corridor around Toronto. Do you want to do you want to give your 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 explanation about that? Sure. When we actually, and
2: and we've got a. Uh a mapping application where we map factories mm. and and it's online and it's publicly available uh, it's called Trillium GIS shameless plug there but when Sounds we good. actually look at this and compare it to other major urban centers in North America Toronto or the, the GTA is the only of the, of the biggest you know the dozen or so biggest urban centers in North America Toronto is the only one where we make cars and planes. Wow. Yeah, and so so a lot of the places Detroit, Chicago where they make lots of cars, they don't make planes where in in Los Angeles, Seattle, Houston where they're making planes, they're not making a lot of cars. Now add to this space robots from MDA, trains from Alstom in in Brampton. Wow professional audio equipment, uh, orbital class rockets, and then just the the sheer volume of uh, food and beverage manufacturing Mm -hmm. just on the way in, you know, the big chocolate and candy factory there. When you break it down, the GTA is potentially the largest and most diverse manufacturing ecosystem of any major urban center in North America. And there's always more to learn about it, just like we're doing right now. And and we just, we, we wanna tell that story as accurately and as emphatically as we can, and I guess as purposefully as we can hmm. um, to, to because we want to keep doing what we're doing and probably do a bit more um, and and hopefully direct a lot of the hyper-intelligent and ambitious younger folks in this province into the industry. Mm-hmm. And show we know they have a lot to offer.
1: We know manufacturing has a lot to offer them as a career. How do we do that? And the th- the point I wanted to get, and that was perfect, Brendan. Thank you. The, the point I wanted to make is on Southern Ontario is the only place I would argue one of the few places on the planet where you could go to a speaker manufacturer and ask them to build you components for a ventilator.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. It, it was. Uh, it was definitely. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> lucky and, and very circumstantial on, on who we reached out to or who reached out to us. But uh, yes, we were, we were very dynamic in, in terms of, we can do that. What's inside of the the front end of a ventilator? Well, a circuit board. Okay, we can do that. Yep. Uh, control surface. Yeah, yep. we can do that. Okay, and we need to screen this chassis and have it uh, completed in a certain uh, way with a with a metal box in the back. Yeah, we can do that too. So, Done. Beautiful. Again, the power of, of having uh, many different departments under one roof.
1: Anecdotes like that are kind of the reason why we exist. Mm. Part of the reason why we exist, <laughs> right? Because that, that in all seriousness, that is a very critical piece of understanding that I think a lot more people in industry, in government, in just the general, in academia and students need to understand what, uh, what the manufacturing sector actually means. So I think that's a fantastic anecdote and I'm, I, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, that's an incredible story. What's next for you guys? We do have private contracts beyond what we build uh, for our own brands. Uh, we've actually had a contract with IMAX Theatres for about 15 years. If you're not familiar, IMAX Theatres, you know, the gigantic screen and the speakers are sort of behind that screen. Right, and right, and right. it's a very powerful, impactful sound um, uh, experience. All the gigantic uh, speakers that you'd find in an IMAX theater and the power amps that power those speakers, they're all built here. Now they're IMAX branded products. They're, they're we we incorporate some of IMAX's uh, design ideas, and then we incorporate that with our uh, design team here to build them a local Canadian-made product that we ship everywhere, or that they ship everywhere. So we'll see some crates downstairs. Gigantic crates, and again, gigantic meaning uh, the, the sound, the sonic experience when you go to an IMAX theater is very intense, and it requires some very um, uh, a, a lot of components, a, a lot of carefully designed speaker boxes and power amplifiers. And uh, that's just a private OEM contract that we've had with IMAX for a while. IMAX is over in Mississauga. So a, a fellow Canadian company knocked on our door years ago, and, and we were able to uh, provide them a fantastic product made locally. But you can go to an IMAX theater in Korea. You can go to an IMAX theater in South America. All the speakers and power amps were built here. Wow. Yeah. It's not something we pop, we 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 promote on our website because it's, it's a private contract. It's not a quote Yorkville branded product, but it's a great thing. It's a nice little feather in our cap in terms of what we're able to do for another company and and uh, have such a long relationship with.
1: This has been uh, very eye opening. Um, I I always knew, I always knew I loved Longa McQuaid, and I always knew I loved Yorkville Sound for a reason, and and now I think I have a a better understanding as to why. Brendan, did you have any additional uh, questions before we wrap up? You do, don't you? I do. <laughs> um, as we put the pandemic uh,
2: in the rearview mirror. Let's hope. Let's hope. What are you most looking forward to?
0: Um, short term, I'm looking forward to catching up on our back orders. We have many orders. We have dedicated dealers here in Canada, in the United States and their and export partners who want our product. So it's a great feeling to have, but it really sucks when you can't deliver on, on in certain timelines. So in the short term, it's catch up. Increasing our production on the production floor, uh, making sure we have the right employees doing the right things, and making sure we can source components from all over the world in time to make something in a timely fashion. So I'm looking forward to catch up. I'm looking forward to some of the designs that are that I've seen in nooks and crannies in this building uh, of future products. Lately, we've invested in battery technology. So we have powered speakers that can be in the middle of a cornfield and provide fantastic audio or for rare spots, whether it's a beach volleyball tournament or whether it's a a wedding out in the countryside where there's no AC, there's no uh, extension cords running 100 yards out to an event. Uh, We've invested in battery technology, and we're we're going to invest a bit more of that into higher powered battery projects in the coming years. So that's got me excited, too, as in... Take your sound anywhere. Well,
1: Jeff, thank you for chatting with us. Thank Uh, you. And you know what I'm looking forward to now? The tour. The tour. Let's do it. Let's do it. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Pleasure. Thank you.